Welcome to Grass Talk Radio. This show is for people who play bluegrass music and anybody who might want to. The prison guard shut the iron door behind me. Howdy, friends, and welcome back to Grass Talk Radio. We're going to get the show started for this episode with my son, Jackson, reading another email sent in by a listener to introduce himself to the rest of the audience. So here we go. Take it away, Jackson. This next favor is a short one from a fellow called Mark Gunter. Dear Brad, I'm Mark Gunter. No alpacas here. I, I listen. I'm a current Patreon supporter. A question? Okay. What is the meaning of life? Best regards, Mark sent from my iPhone. Mark, uh, well, I've been spending over 150 episodes trying to explain that, but uh, perhaps I will add a little something to that today. Thanks, buddy. Thanks a lot, Jackson, and I appreciate all of you who have sent in your emails or recordings, and I'm just going to continue each episode uh, putting one or two on. And once again, if you have not listened to that bonus episode called Do Me a Favor, well, do me a favor and listen to it and consider contributing in the same way. Howdy, friends, and good morning from Americus, Georgia, where this morning, 64 degrees on the thermometer next to the chicken coop just a, just about two minutes ago. Oh, by the way, this is the third time that I've started this podcast and then digressed and drifted off into subjects and began to <laughs> pontificate on various subjects and thoughts and and then I would just grind to a halt hit stop and say I just can't go there so I'm sparing you that I guess what I'm trying to really say is it's difficult to get my mind on bluegrass this thing that I so dearly love and has been and remains a huge part of my life. And yet, it's not my top priority right now. You know, the human, the human being, as well as all plant and animal life, has um, relatively simple, basic needs. And at the top of that list... You will not find um, fitting a new bridge onto your mandolin. That will not be at the top of the priority list of life as we know it. You know, if I were to begin at the top, at the very most important priority of the existence of life, I would have to put breathing 
Very important. If you're into plants, you could say transpiration. Yes, indeed. Plants do need their CO2. And thank goodness we and lots of other biological critters create lots of it, and that is good for the plants. And then they give us back the old O2 that we so dearly crave. It all starts with breathing. And I used to talk to some of my banjo students, people who were having trouble and being tense, and, you know, you're working on just the basic 2-3 slide and the old thumb, index thumb, middle roll, and they just can't seem to get it going. And I would, one of the little exercises that I would do with a struggling student was to say, okay, let's just play that roll. But what I want you to do, and we're talking real slow, like, don't, 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 that's the level. I'd say, okay, here's what you do. First of all, forget the left hand. Let's only do the right hand. Get real relaxed. You know, move your head around. Roll your shoulders a bit. Get, get in good position. Put your picks down there near the strings. Get that ring and or pinky touching the head. And now, what I want you to do is play the roll a few times to get it in your mind. Thumb one, thumb two, thumb one, thumb two. If that's the roll we're using. Now, while you play the roll, I want you to play the roll while you inhale. So you play the roll as you're taking a breath in. And at that tempo, you might get four repetitions of the roll, or perhaps eight, some number, as you feel your lungs expand and your stomach enlarge. And I would watch their shoulders to be certain that their shoulders weren't coming up next to their ears. You know, because some people, when they're tense, they breathe more from their shoulders than from their diaphragm. And the diaphragm is located, you know, between your lower half of your torso and your upper half. And it's parallel with the ground. So as you, the diaphragm extends downwards towards the ground, and that tends to expand what we call your stomach. And if you're breathing properly... You know, the chest will expand as it fills with air, but the diaphragm is going down. And so, they kind of watch for the shoulders to rise. And then, as they played their roll, I would say, don't think about the roll. Just think about your breathing. And when your lungs are full of air, then slowly release that air. In other words, relax. And let that breath out. And let's say you're doing four on the inhale and four on the exhale. Now let's do that for 10 minutes. Think more about your breathing. Inhale while you play it four times, six times, eight times, depending on your lung capacity and the tempo at which we're doing this. So you inhale and then you exhale. And you inhale, 
and you exhale. And what I have invariably noticed with myself and with my students is that I will notice slight speed increases, tempo increases, um, better accuracy, more even playing on the exhale. Because on the exhale, your body is relaxing. It tends to tense somewhat on the inhale and relax somewhat on the exhale. And the playing, as, you, as you're holding the breath at the top, full, you're full of air, the playing would tend to get tense. And then as you relaxed and breathed out, the playing would tend to get relaxed. And I would just encourage them to notice that. Just notice that feeling of playing in that relaxed, exhaling state. Because if you can feel that, you can counter it on the inhale. You can try to maintain that same relaxed feeling while you inhale. And the more you inhale, using your diaphragm rather than your shoulders and expanding the chest, um, the more, you can, more easily you can maintain that relaxation. And it, it simply comes from what I believe to be a fact that when you tense one muscle, many other muscles uninvolved in that mechanical operation tense sympathetically. In other words, a whole feeling of tension comes over the entire body, more strongly in some places than others. If you've ever watched someone try to open a pickle jar, that is, the lid is extremely tight. They got the jar clutched in their left hand. They got their hand clenched on the... With, they got the lid clenched in their right hand. And they take a big breath. That tenses up the whole body. And they squeeze like crazy. And, and then you look at their face. And their face is all twisted and screwed up. Their tongue's sticking out. They're biting their lip. And they're turning. And their cheeks are all... That, my friends, is evidence of the sympathetic nature of muscle tension. Tension in one place tends to expand to the whole being. And so I, you know, I would say to my wife or my son or something, here, give me that jar. Let me show you something, son. <laughs> you know, being the wiseacre that I am. I said, you see this jar? The only thing I'm trying to do is turn the lid. That's all I'm trying to do. Just going to open the jar. Now, does me clenching my jaw help open that thing unless I'm opening it with my teeth? Well, no. I was, I'd say, well, okay, so watch me open it. Just put my hands on her. Just get as calm as you can and open the darn thing. Because it allows you to concentrate your energy, your exertion, into a specific zone of you know, intended mechanical force. If you want the perfect example of this, the most perfect uh, prime example in the bluegrass world of this sort of pickle jar opening concentration of focused energy, simply watch Tony Rice play. He's like a statue. Firm, but directed. It is directed energy. 
It's like a laser beam. If you have a powerful laser beam that will cut through one-inch steel, if you narrow that beam of focus to a very, say, you know, one micron in diameter or something, you can cut through the one-inch steel. But if you send that laser beam through a diffusing lens or it's just not focused well and it is spread out, say, to a beam one inch across, you won't, even, you won't even warm the steel. So focusing your energy is very important. But we were talking about the priorities in life and breathing being number one. So I suggest that the best thing you can do at all times, and I make a joke about this all the time, say, well, just keep on breathing as long as possible. Because if you're breathing, you've made the first step toward living. So that's number one, breathing. High priority right now. And I don't think it's good for people to be cooped up inside. Um, that's why I let my chickens out. It's not good. It's not good for their health to have them all clustered and, you know, hanging around together in the same old place. They need fresh air. They need sunshine. That's why I let my chickens out. That's why my donkeys are never sick. They're out in the fresh air and sunshine and the rain and the wind every day. You know, how do you become healthy as a horse? Maybe try living like a horse. Now, I know we don't have, you know, the internal combustion fermenting chamber that a horse has to keep him warm. And we don't have fur, and we certainly don't have their stoic mindset. We're far, we're far from that. We're more, probably more Epicurean. But fresh air. That's number one. Get some fresh air. Open your windows. You know, and you might even consider moving. I mean, for crying out loud, if you're living in a eighth floor apartment where when you open the window, all you see is the window of the other apartment building next to you, you might want to consider moving to a healthier situation. That's all I'm saying about that. But we do need fresh air. You can't keep breathing the same old air over and over and over. You know, it's a big old atmosphere we have. Oh, and by the way, none of this should be taken as medical advice. I'm not a pro medical professional. I'm just an observer of humanity, and I've found that breathing tends to help people. It helps them relax, as in a beginner banjo lesson. And it helps them maintain their their uh, focus, and their efficiency. And besides that, if you don't breathe, how are you going to be of any use to your friends and family? Your community, if you will. You will be of no use to them if you refuse to breathe. So begin by breathing. Number two, water. Just good old plain water. And I know that many people don't have good old plain water. You know, they may have that tap water. I saw people just, I don't know, a week or two ago, I went to the grocery store and there were people loading up on bottled water. 
And I suppose that's a good thing if the water that comes out of your tap is not fit for human consumption, which in my view, most of it is not. But I won't go down that rabbit hole right now, other than to say we do need water. We need very little else in terms of liquid. Um, there are plenty of other choices, as we all know, ranging from, you know, juices and beer and liquor and wine and Coca-Cola and Diet Coke with no calories and no sugar. There's, there's lots of things you can pour down your gullet. But by far, the number one thing that you need is good water. So, how do you get good water? Well, if you don't have a water filter, I recommend a water filter, number one. Number two, um, well water is typically cleaner than surface water, though not all well water. And, but well water run through a filter is a wonderful source of good water, as are, you know, high altitude mountain springs in certain areas. I'm not saying that it's easy to find pure water, but do the best you can there. Because if you're drinking pure water, your body will be happiest, just as the chickens, you know. If I go out to the, the chicken coop and the water is nasty, I dump it out, rinse the bucket, and fill it back up with clean water. And I think that that is good for life. It's good for plants. I've been watering my uh, chestnut seedlings, and I've also got these little, um, I don't know what they are, some kind of an oak tree. Maybe a, I don't know. I have not actually determined what what species of oak. And you'd think a guy who went to forestry school would know, but I, I think this may be some imported Chinese oak tree. It's a white oak. has these big, fat acorns. And anyway, I'm growing a bunch of them, too. I will determine precisely what it is and perhaps tell you in a future episode. So it starts with air, then it goes to water, then you need food. And obviously that is a fairly high priority, not as high as water and air, <laughs> you know, but food is made more complex and more difficult to obtain the more that you rely upon the system, quote unquote. Uh, for example, I use the donkeys as an example. Right now at this time of year, I don't need to feed them at all. Uh, nature feeds them. They're in the pasture. They can eat whatever they want to, as much as they want to. And the weather's beautiful and everything is growing beautifully. There is no need to feed them anything. The only supplement that they have is a salt block. Which, by the way, if you don't know this, salt is one of the cheapest things in the world. Uh, you can buy a 50-pound block of salt for 10 bucks. Just It's just salt. Amazing. I used to be amazed when I was a kid. You'd go to the grocery store when I was a kid. Now it's far more expensive. But you would go in, and there's the old Morton salt in the one-pound cardboard. Maybe it's two pounds. Um, cardboard container. You know, when it rains, it pours. Little girl with umbrella on it. 
12 cents, 12 cents. I'm like, how do they even, you know, that the box has got to cost more than 12 cents. Now it's probably what, $3 or something, but it's still dirt cheap and it's very vital, very vital to life. You know, basically a donkey or a horse, for the most part, really just needs water, grass, and salt. And, you know, left to their own devices and free-ranging, they will find salt and minerals of their own accord. But when you have them in a fenced pasture, you have to provide them the things. You know, they can't wander, you know, around thousands of acres and they have their salt licks and rock outcrops and things like this, you know, or you'll see them digging in the soil, you know, and not only just to roll in, in the dirt, but I've seen them eating it or they'll eat clay. There, there's a lot of weird stuff that animals do that I think we humans have kind of forgotten how to do. <laughs> we wouldn't know what to, you know, the idea of eating dirt is probably just repulsive to people. But uh, there are some cultures, the clay eaters, for example. Uh, Google it if you don't believe me. But to get your minerals, you know, there, there are other ways to do it besides checking the label on the Hot Pockets box to see what they put in it. You know what I mean? And by far, sunshine is of ultimate importance to all of us. So if you get your woot, uh, <laughs> sorry, if you get your air, your water. I, tr I tried to say all three words at once. If you get your air, your water, your food, and some sunshine, you can greatly increase your general well-being. I'm not going to say, you know, cure anything or anything, but it's a life-giving combination. So I encourage you all to engage in as much of that as possible. I'm, I don't know whether I'm lucky or whether, you know, I planned it this way. <laughs> you know, the old cause and effect versus chance. Uh, but living here at this time of uh, where there's so much dread in it. Just, just people just dripping with fear. But... When I go outside my door, I, you know, I, I saw this video of somebody being chased by a drone because they were walking their dog or something. And it's like, get back in your house. And, you know, I have the benefit here of walk outside the door. And, you know, it's my own. I, I used to joke that it, it's like having my own state park, you know. And it's a lot of hassle at times. But it's, um, we got, a, you know, pretty big expanse even if you just got a little backyard or a little patio that's better than nothing and uh, i got a big patio you might say and uh it's just been we've been hanging out outside grilling out um i've been doing a lot of mowing and yard work um tending plants trimming bushes um laying in the hammock and I'll tell you what, I've spent a lot of my time since I can't seem to get my mind on bluegrass, really, because it's hard to get all excited. Like I, me come on here and, you know, give you tips for the next jam session when I don't know when the next jam session will be. 
You can't jam over Zoom or whatever that ridiculous app is. I haven't turned on the laptop. I haven't turned on the computer in, in over a week. I went the whole weekend without even looking at internet. I didn't even check my email this week. And those of you who have written me, by the way, today being a Monday, I intend to uh, wade through my, through my emails and solve any little problems that might be there, throw away the junk mail, and respond to anyone who may have written. But I've just sort of, um, I just don't want to expose myself to the negative influences. And you might say, well, you're just putting your head in the sand. Call it what you will. But I will say that fear is a debilitating um, influence. It's probably, you know, thinking of bluegrass. To relate this to bluegrass, and let's use stage fright. There are a lot of people who are dreadfully afraid to take a solo. There are people who are just fearful of being on stage and playing. And that fear actually makes them play worse than they normally would. A lot of people say this, especially in the early stages of learning to play, that, oh, I can play it at home, but then at the jam session, I fall apart. Well, okay, so what's the factor? What's the additional factor? Fear. Fear is, uh, you know, what was that old quote by FDR? We have nothing to fear but fear itself. While I think that might not be exactly true, um, and, and, you know, it's funny. You can find a quote to support anything. And you can find contradictory quotes from the same people and so on and so on. But, you know, when the truth is spoken, you have to acknowledge it regardless of the source. Um, and I believe that that statement is a little exaggerated because there are things to fear other than just fear. For example, you know, an asteroid could hit my house tonight, a plane could crash into the bedroom, a, uh, <clears throat> a cop could be chasing a guy in a high-speed chase, run off the road and drive his county vehicle through my bedroom door at 3 in the morning. You might say, oh, that would never happen. Well, it happened just down the road for me last year. So, never say never. <laughs> but, you know, I don't think knowing that that's a remote possibility is a reason to stay up all night or sleep in the attic so that if he does crash through the wall, you won't be in his... Because most things that people fear don't actually happen. That's the beauty of, of fear, is that most of it is unnecessary. I succumb to fear. We all do. Uh, but why put yourself through the unnecessary fear, the ramping up of fears? Because fear is a tool, and fear can be used to manipulate and control. It can be used as a money-making tool. Um, nah, I'm going down these rabbit holes again. Maybe I'll just kind of pull the plug on this episode. Um, 
I don't really know where to go with this next. Sometimes I think maybe, I don't know. I think we all should examine our lives. I think it's good to take, now is a good time to take stock of yourself and your, your resources. I'm sure you are all doing that already. And uh, find the things that are really important to you, the things that are worth keeping at all costs, and the things that could be dispensed with, with very little real harm. And for some of you, that might be bluegrass. And it might be something that, uh, you know, I've always wondered about these students that would come and take lessons for three or four months and then get all excited about it. And then a year later, you bump into them. And so you've been picking any? Nah, well, no, not really. You know, well, they got into something else. It just wasn't a priority. And that is perfectly fine and perfectly natural thing to do. I'm just rambling here, folks. Um, if you're the praying type, I suggest that you pray. And above all, pray for wisdom. Not just for yourself, but for those with the... Uh, handed the batons of power. So, everybody take care. Um, business, as I reported last time, has been a little sluggish, but uh, when you're when you're in the bluegrass biz, um, you're kind of used to this normally, so it's like, it's like the rungs of a ladder, you know. It's not like I'm falling from the top rung, you know. Uh, bluegrass people, even at their best, are barely one or two rungs above, you know, like extreme poverty. So, you know, doing fine. But, uh, you know, if you're doing super fine and you want something to do, just go scope out some of my videos and engage in a um, program of learning or what, do whatever you want to do. The material is there, and I, I just want to say thank you to those who uh, do support the show the various ways by being a Patreon patron supporter over at patreon.com slash Bradley Laird or just by amusing yourself with the website or um, trying to learn a little something from some of my video instructions, uh, instructional books, videos, courses, that sort of thing. I do appreciate it. You know, I've got this, I got these weird little... I wouldn't call them superstitions, but I, I develop these little habits. Uh, and then maybe they do turn into superstitions. I'm not typically superstitious. Um, however, I've got this, you know, a few little things that I, I feel like an internal obligation to do. And that is every time I get a single email that says blah, 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 and it's an email address uh, has uh, downloaded, you know, Chop chords for small hands. When I see these, every one of them, as I, as I thumb scroll through them and click on them and just look, see, oh, you know, bronco at equineflyspray.com just purchased, I'm just reading that off a bottle here, citronella scent horse insect repellent. It works good on people too, by the way at keeping gnats away. 
Um, not that stuff. I actually, this is not the kind I <laughs> would use on myself. Um, but my one little weird quirk is that, and I hope you realize this, that when you purchase something, this actually happens on the other end. There's actually a real guy who sees the little PayPal transaction come through. And I always look at it and I say, thanks. I actually say the word because I do appreciate you because without you, I couldn't do what I do. And say thanks to the people that do things for you, too. You look around you and find somebody that's even as insignificant as it may seem. Um, thank the people around you. And y'all take care. Um, Bluegrass will be back. <laughs> hey, and by the way, um, the Josh Cole Bluegrass uh, podcast, which I've mentioned in a I think both of my podcast shout outs, he's been kind of quiet. The last episode was in December. He just put out a new one and I was going to interview him and then my computer died and we never got around to it, but I'm going to come back to that after all this smoke clears. But he put out a new episode and it's good. It's another uh, live set of Bill Monroe and the Bluegrass Boys, 1980 with Butch Robbins, Kenny Baker, Wayne Lewis, and, oh, crud, who is playing bass? Mark Hembry, and, of course, Daddy Bill. And he's taking requests and ripping through a bunch of instrumentals, and it is just fine stuff. So when you get done listening to this, go over and check out the Josh Cole latest episode. And y'all take care. I'll be back. Talk to you soon, and y'all stay well. But now she's gone. I don't worry, cause I'm sitting on top of the world. If you don't like my peaches, get out of my tree. Get out of my orchard, Lord, let me feed you be. But now she's gone, I don't worry, cause I'm sitting on top of the world. Thanks, she's to ashes and dust to dust. Show me that woman any man can trust. But now she's gone, I don't worry, cause I'm sitting on top of the world. Cause I'm sitting on top of the world Now she's gone, I don't worry Cause I'm sitting on top of the world